Father in heaven, I pray that you will bless your word this morning. Your, your Bible says that it will never return empty to you. So, Father, we claim the faith that this word will bring us this morning. I just pray that, Lord God, the people, all of us that are in here this morning, will take something away from this message, Lord, that we might love you better, love you more, just become better people, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So, I was thinking about all of you, and I think we should take a vacation together. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think we should take a vacation together, and I've got just the vacation planned, okay? They only accept 125 people, so that's probably about what we got here this morning. It's in Hawaii, okay, so it's getting better, right? Honolulu. January 19th, put that date on your calendar, okay? January 2020, yeah, January, so a couple months. We're all going to enroll in a ultra marathon called the Hurt 100. The Hurt 100. And this marathon delivers pain, okay? It's aptly named. Listen to this. It's a hundred mile marathon. Yeah. You have to complete it in 36 hours. You have to run through 20 different streams, so you're going to get wet. You're going to climb, ascend, and you're going to descend a total of 25,000 feet altitude each way. Don't bother with the humidity or the uh, blood-sucking mm, bugs. And it's only $295 to, to apply for it. Yeah. So, I mean, now, there is a little bit of bad news with this, too. They require that you do eight hours of trail work before you can run in the race. What do you think? Should we sign you up, right? There are people... Okay, so now listen. They only take 125, and there's over 500 that sign up for this race every year. There are that many crazy people in the world, aren't there? Yeah, for sure. Hey, listen, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 12 if you want to. And um, we're going to talk about life, life today. Hebrews chapter 12, we just finished this chapter Wednesday night, so I'm kind of giving you a little insight into what we do on Wednesdays, okay? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us now whether you like it or not okay you're in a race when you 
signed up to be with the Lord, all right, you have a race that's marked out for you. Now, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you're in a different race. You're in the rat race, okay? <sighs> Serious. And, and it is a rat race out there, isn't it? God has a race that's marked out for us. And he says that since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this is an interesting scripture, because in Hebrews chapter uh, 11, it talks about faith, right? And it talks about Abel offered God a better offering than Cain did. It talks about Noah built an ark out of faith. You know, it took him over a hundred years in the middle of a desert where there wasn't any water around and he had people tailgating there for a hundred years saying, well, Noah, when's it gonna, when's your boat gonna float and where's it gonna float, right? Yeah. I mean, that had to be very trying. And how about Abraham? And I was thinking this morning, you know, as I was driving to, to church, um, you know, when Abraham... So Abraham was promised a son. And it says in the Bible that he was... Him and Sarah were unable to have children. Okay, they were past the age of having children. And they had no kids, but yet they had the promise. When Abraham was 75 years old, which seems old to us, but, um, you know, it doesn't seem that old anymore. <laughs> now that I think about it, he's just a whippersnapper. <laughs> Shuckies. He was 75 years old. His wife was uh, uh, quite a bit younger. And God promised them that he was going to have a son and out of that son was going to be a nation come, many peoples. And uh, that promise did not get fulfilled to him until he was 99 years old. So it took, you know, 25 years to fulfill that promise and Sarah was 90. And then when the boy is a young man, probably in his early teens, mid-teens, somewhere in that neighborhood, it, God tells Abraham to take his son and go up to the mountain and sacrifice his son there on the mountain. And uh, I mean, I, and I was thinking on, on the way to church today, how would, how would that feel? I mean, wouldn't that take a piece of your heart? I mean, that would take a piece of my heart. There's no way I would ever do that. I couldn't do it. And Abraham, when he... I mean, what kind of faith did he have to go up there on God's word, to, to walk up there with the son? His son carried the firewood. Abraham probably carried the knife and the, the fire, and uh, they went up there and set up the altar, and, and Abraham puts his son on the altar, and his son is like, well, what's going on, Dad? And he says, well, the Lord has told me to sacrifice you. It was a picture of God sacrificing his son Son, of course, and it's amazing. So in our scripture in chapter 12, it says, therefore, since we are encompassed by such a great cloud of witnesses, when we think about Abraham and Moses and Noah, Noah's uh, family, when we think about Moses' parents who broke the law, they broke the law of, 
of the uh, the the uh, Caesar there to to keep their son because they were not supposed to do that. Uh, when we think about you know all the rest of the Old Testament heroes, right? The heroes of faith. Sometimes they don't seem real to us, do they? I mean, sometimes it's like, oh, they were, you know, way up on some pedestal somewhere, but they weren't. I mean, David, look at David. David, the Bible says David was a man that went after God's own heart, and David ended up committing adultery and murder. He was a stinker. The Jacob, he was another, you know, he was, he was a, a chiseler. Well, when we think about this, this passage, when it, it says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what it's kind of saying to us is this, it's as if these Old Testament saints were sitting in the stands watching us go through our race, okay? The race in life. You know why? Because they've already gone through it. They've already gone through the race. And we have to go through this race. It says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we have these Old Testament testimonies of these guys that, and gals that did amazing things, Rahab, she was a prostitute. She lived in uh, Jericho where the Israelites were going to come in and, and take over the whole cotton-picking city. And she had heard about the God of the Israelites and how powerful he was. And so she hid the two spies that came in to spy out the town upon the... She could have been killed for that. If they would have found out, she'd have been killed. So it, the Bible speaks about her faith in doing that. Here's a prostitute. And um, so it says, let us throw off everything that hinders us. What hinders you? What hinders you in your race, okay? I know I have certain things that hinder me. Sometimes it's my own, most of the time it's my own self. I hinder myself. A lot of times it's other people. Will you give them the power to hinder you? You know what I mean? I think about somebody who's having a problem with a business partner or something like this, or a husband or a wife or a kid. I mean, it's happening all around us. And I, and I, I say to them, are you going to give that person the power to depress you? Are you going to give that person the power to make you miserable? And no, no, I, I'm not going to give them the power. Sometimes it's temptations or tests. Sometimes it's satanic strategies against each one of us that hinder us. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders. You know, I got to love. Are there any? No, don't raise your hand. No, but better not. If you're a bicyclist, Okay, a road cyclist. I just love passing the road cyclists, right? When I ride a bicycle, it's like cutoffs, a t-shirt, and maybe a water bottle, right? Oh no, not for the road cyclists. 
they have got to have the streamlined shorts and the streamlined top and the little air-conditioned helmet with the mirror that sticks out so they can see what's going to hit them. <laughs> right? I have to chuckle about it because they got more money in that clothing than I got in my whole bike. Right? But it's funny what people do to, uh, to streamline their life so that they won't be hindered. A speed sta skater. Look at a speed skater. If you watch them in the Olympics, they got the helmet that's got the little kind of a pointy in the back there, you know. For, I mean, how much does that make a difference? You know what? It makes a difference between winning and losing in their case, doesn't it? Right? What is it that we can shed that hinders us in our race with the Lord? All right? It's, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and let us run with perseverance. That's patience under pressure, okay? Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Paul knew he was in a race. Let me, <coughs> let me read something to you out of Acts. You don't have to turn there. Here's what Paul said in Acts chapter 20. He said this. He says, and now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. You ever had a test that you just didn't know what was going to happen? I talked to Naomi this morning. She's moving to Grants Pass. We hate to lose her. Okay, She's going to change jobs. She doesn't know what's going to happen up there, but you know what? God does. God knows what's going to happen. He says, I only know that in every city, he says, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. You know, in Corinthians, it tells us that we are ministers of reconciliation. Did you know that you're a minister? I'll call you Reverend. Uh -huh, Reverend Kenny. That just doesn't sound right, does it? There's something wrong with that. Reverend Connie. Yes. The Bible says we're all ministers of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Well, it is a removal of a barrier, isn't it? When you remove a barrier of some kind, you reconcile something. And there are a lot of people that need to be reconciled to God. There's a lot of people that have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They need to hear the gospel. They need to hear that God loves them and that God cares about them and that God is interested in their future. It says in my Bible here on the very front, it says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God has plans for us. He's got a race marked out for us, and it's not the rat race. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah chapter 29. That's God's plan. What's yours? What's your plan? Is it better than God's plan? Listen to this one here. Philippians chapter 3 this is Paul again, 
and I love Paul. We were talking about, I was talking to Steve uh, just a little earlier in the, uh, before the service started, and we were talking about Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And he was stoned to death. And it says in your Bible that they laid Stephen's clothes at the feet of Saul. So Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, right? That was before he was converted. He either ordered or was pre- certainly was present when they stoned Stephen to death. What did Stephen do? He was a Christian. That's what he did. He was a Christian. That's why they stoned him. Now, think about this for just a minute. Paul gets converted. And you know what he says about himself? He says, I am the worst sinner that's ever lived. Man. You know, witness, think about the guilt that would come from thinking about what he did. And Stephen wasn't the only one. He went from town to town persecuting Christians. And God knocks him off his horse and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Man, talk about a conversion experience, huh? Wow. Well, listen to what he says in Philippians. Now, this is the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Just listen. It says, Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this. In other words, (coughs) all of the things that we look forward to in the Christian life. Not that I've attained this yet, he says, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul, excuse me, Paul says he doesn't look behind. He looks ahead. Do you remember back in 1984? This is a couple years after I was born. um, A gal named Mary Decker Slaney. Do you remember her? Mary Decker? I think she was from Eugene. I'm not sure. She was born in 1958. She started running races when she was age 10. At age 13, she was winning local races, and, but she was too young to go to the Olympics. Okay? So she kept running. At age 16, she was a world record holder. In 1982, at age 24, she had six world records. In 1983, the next year at age 25, she set 17 world records and 36 U.S. records. Now, that's amazing, isn't it, for a young woman? She still holds many of those records, but if you remember in the 1984 Olympics, she was running the 3,000 meters, 
and she was ahead, and Zola Bud from South Africa, and her, got their feet got tangled up, and she fell down, and she lost the race. Now, it's interesting because the Apostle Paul in Galatians says something very similar to what happened to Mary Decker Slaney. Listen to this. He says this. You, he's speaking to the Galatian church, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That's what happened to Mary Decker, is Zola Bud cut in on her, their feet got tangled up, and they went down. You're running a race. We can see the finish line. We know that it's, it's coming up. This is the middle of November 2019. We're getting ready to turn to 2020. How many of you didn't even think you'd see 2020? Yeah. 2020. That used to be the future. That was when spaceships were going to do this and that. And It's here, folks. It's just flat out here. It's interesting because, you know, what keeps us from winning races? In Hebrews chapter 12, it says the things that hinder us. We need to get rid of the things that hinder us. Sometimes we lose focus. Sometimes we have improper training. Something is hindering us. Let me read to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, because this goes right along with the race. I'll be in verse 24. Listen to what it says. Do you not know? This is kind of a rhetorical question. Paul knows that they know. Whenever you see that in the Bible, it's almost a little sarcastic. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not that will they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, listen to this. This is, this is amazing. Paul says, no, I beat my body. I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says, train yourself to be godly. For physical training, okay, like going to the gym, is of some value. But godliness has value for all things holding promise for this present life and the life to come. You know, going to the gym used to be fun. It's not fun anymore. But it's more important now than it probably was back then, huh? You know, can you even imagine... I mean... You know, so like on uh, 
what's the parade that they have at the big one in April? Pear Blossom, yeah, thank you. Pear Blossom Parade. So, you know, they have a marathon, which is 26.2 miles or whatever it is. And then they have a half marathon. And then they've got a quarter marathon. It's like, do they have a walk to the donut shop marathon? <laughs> because that one I could probably do, right? You know, Paul says, I beat my body. Does that mean physically? No, not physically. Spiritually, you know, when temptation comes your way, you have to turn away from it, don't you? When a test comes your way, remember now, every temptation is a test. But every test isn't necessarily a temptation. But every test can be used by God. You know, in James chapter 1, it says, I'm going to read it to you. It's, I love this. Con, are you ready for this? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Ha! Right. Oh, Lord. Thank you so much for my pickup engine failing. I know, I gotta, oh, I gotta buy a new engine for my pickup. No, it's not $1,000. It's not $4,000. I'm gonna get a good buy. The retail would be $17,200, but I'm getting a steal at $15,000. There we go. We're going to have a special benevolent offering at the end of the service, okay? We're going to call it the diesel offering, all right? So, uh, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Patience under pressure. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, it's funny, we, we, we think about tests. When I was in school, I hated tests. That's probably why they asked me to leave. <laughs> and yet, if you're not tested, how does it sink in? You know what I mean? How, would you go to a surgeon that said, oh yeah, I learned this on YouTube, it's very clear. What? <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Would you go to a mechanic that, uh, you know, said, well, uh, where's the hood latch? Whoa, uh, what was your first sign? That was not good. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you? It says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. We are that temple. We are in a race. Get fit. Okay? Get fit. Now, many of us might have an excuse for not entering a marathon. Okay? I'm too old. 
I'm too young. I'm not in shape. My ankles hurt. I'm hungry. There might be a lot of different things we would use, but there is no excuse for not finishing the race that God has set us out because it says in, turn back to uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, if you will. Hebrews chapter 12 says that it's a race that has been marked out for us. Let's read the whole scripture and we'll be done, okay? Hebrews chapter 12 says this, and you're welcome to turn there. Verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the people that have gone before us and the people that have raced before us and the people that are racing with us, we're all in this race together, my friends. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, no kidding, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now it talks about focus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him or study him, investigate him, who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, folks, listen. It's easy to grow weary, isn't it? Man, it's easy to lose heart. There's so many different factors in life that want to bring us down, want to cut us up, want to chew us up and spit us, spit us out. But you know what? Listen to me. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the worst that can happen to you is you're going to die and go to heaven. That's not such a bad thing, to be honest with you. You know, oh yeah, you might go broke, you might have some health issues, you might have some relational issues with husbands, wives, children, parents, who knows what. But you know what? Those things are all very temporary. The eternal focus that we have is we are going to go to heaven and it ain't going to be long. Now you might say, well, how do you know that? Well, the average age expectancy for a man is 79 years. Women live longer, they go to 81. I won't tell you why. It has something to do with, I'm not going to tell you, just not going to tell you, nope, I'll get in trouble, I'll get in the same trouble when it's cold and I said, man, it's cold, it's colder out there than a mother-in-law's kiss, and I'll tell you, I had several mother-in-laws that came up and said, really, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, hello, we're in a race, my friends. And the time is short. If you're in your, if you're 50, you know, you've got 20 years, 30 years maybe, if you go to the average life expectancy, right? How fast has the last 20 years gone? Fast. How, how fast has the last year gone? 
And it's, it seems like it's going faster every year. It's crazy. Well, let me finish up, okay? Let me finish up with um, Colossians chapter 3. This is a beautiful scripture. Colossians 3, 1, you can just listen. It says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with Him in glory. Wow. That's awesome. Well, my friends, did you get it? Okay? Did you get the message? You know, it's so funny because I'll, uh, I'll talk to somebody and uh, they maybe a friend that went to a different church or something, you know, on Sunday, and I say, oh, yeah, was it, was it good? Oh, yeah. What was the message about? Uh. Uh. The message today is you're in a race. You got that? Okay. The finish line is coming up, and you need, we need, I need, you need, okay, to shed everything that's hindering us from that race. Are you a worrier? Shed it. Okay? Are you a gossip? Shed it. Are you lazy? Shed it. And don't grow weary because nothing but good times ahead. Hey, listen, pray with me, would you? Dear Father in heaven, Please forgive me for my sins. Please cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Come into my life and heart. Help me to be a new person. Help me to run the race with patience. And look forward to your coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you guys, yeah. Thank you. It was awesome. Thank you for your patience. Do we have a song? All right.